this past August 10th marked the one-year anniversary of the passing of Father Mike Russo. Uh, Mike was the founder of Sunday to Sunday and had a vision of trying to improve preaching around the country by being able to sit with priests one-on-one and other preachers and listening to their stories of how they put together their homilies and how they reflected some of their prayer life and who they are as a person into what they would say to their congregation from week to week. Mike had a great vision, but more importantly, Mike was a friend to so many people. He had an expansive network, and I was very blessed to be part of that network. I began studying at the University of California in Berkeley in 2018, and Mike knew that I was there because my bishop in Brooklyn was a classmate of his, uh, and he reached out to me and made sure that he would check in with me and see how I was doing and gave me lots of inspiration as to what the work I could be doing in the area of media and communications. It's for those encounters that I would always remember Mike the best. Uh, he was someone who would make the time for people, uh, despite the fact that he knew so many. Um, he seemed to have a very one-on-one personal relationship with each person that he met and and cultivated a relationship with. So his unexpected passing, of course, was a a great loss, but we are very blessed to know that his legacy continues with Sunday to Sunday and that I'm particularly blessed by knowing him and being able to uh, continue that legacy and being able to continue to put together what he was trying to accomplish with this ministry, with this outreach, and hoping my best to live up to the great vision that he imparted to so many of us. We thank you for the passion that you inspired so many people with. We pray in a special way and ask for your intercession that everything that we do here at Sunday the Sunday may not only be true to your vision, but also be true to the God who you are with at this moment. May we always be inspired by the Spirit, and may we know that your Spirit is with us. Thank you, Mike. Welcome to the Attentive Heart Podcast where we explore how an integration of mind, body, and spirit make us whole and enable us to become more compassionate to ourselves and to others. I'm your host, John Grabovich. What were you being formed in those three years to be eventually say yes to when you made your promises? Like how, how did that look? Well, we had a book that we read. We read articles, you know, you learn about, um, read biographies on, on St. Francis and, and Claire, um, discussions, you know. I mean, a lot of it for us happened virtually because of the pandemic for okay, me. Okay, right. Some right. of it. So we did it um, virtually. You attend fraternity meetings. So it's like twice a month. One was a formation. And then we also had a fraternity meeting that we would attend. And the and part of the fraternity meeting had ongoing formation where the whole fraternity is either reading something or responding to something okay. um, that's helping our ongoing formation. So, um, you know, so it, was, it wasn't, um, it's a huge commitment. It really was an hour. I mean, really, if you think about it, three hours probably without reading material 
a month, you know? And the reading so, material was like from Franciscan writers or was yeah. it? Okay. Interesting. Yeah. People from, you know, either secular Franciscans or the, um, friars or just different books they had a kind of a textbook that they don't really like to use as much anymore and um so now i'm part of i now i'm they asked me to be part of the formation team so now we have two people that were that i'm helping in their formation okay um, part of the team and so we have different readings now and so forth and um oh, okay so so clearly your mind's being formed by this content that you're reading. I mean, it's, it, there just seems to be a heavy emphasis on that. What about like, you know, um, the, the practice? I mean, there's one thing reading things. I mean, what did what did the practice look like as to, you know, what, what prayer looked like or what acts of charity looked like? I mean, when we think about the Franciscans, we know that they're, they're really hands-on with their spirituality. It's not just so much as if they are uh, cloistered monks. I mean, they, they were the uh, mendicant beggar orders that were mm -hmm. out and about in the world. So, you know, what, what was the practice that you're being formed in? At that point? Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I think we don't do enough of that in our particular okay. fraternity. Now, okay. all of us do different things. Some people work on the breadline, which is part of, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the St. Francis church that they have a very, you know, like you said, they're very strong with helping, um, those in need in, in different ways, spiritually, as well as physical needs and so forth. Like right and, now we're doing a lot with the immigrants that have been coming in. That right. So yeah, for those who may not know, we're talking about St. Francis of Assisi Church. It's, it's located right in Manhattan, like we're walking distance from Madison Square Garden, right in the hub of like the of everything that we think of when we think Manhattan. And uh, it's it's been had a historic breadline there for decades now, I guess, right? Yeah. I mean, and uh, so there's a, a profound outreach to the poor and there's also a profound spiritual outreach. I mean, it's a, a hub for people going to confession, for Eucharistic adoration, um, all the things that we associate with the sacramental life of the church as well. So it, it's, it seems to be a place where it's just, everything is, it, it's every aspect of, of a faith life kind of firing on all cylinders at that, at, at that place. Um, so, all right, so, so, what was the the practice? I'm sorry, I kind of just kind of jumped in here, but like, what were other components of 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 how you were to live this vowed, this promised life, other than just kind of forming your mind? What were you being trained to integrate as concrete, tangible practices that you'd be doing daily? Well, you know, that's it's an interesting question because that wasn't actually part of it. It was really okay. mostly like we would part of our meetings would be discussing okay. you know, things that you're, um, you know, it was very open in terms of that, like how what struggles you may be having and so forth. I don't know if you mean that, but all of us all do different works out that are not organized together. Right. So people okay. do different things, either either church ministry or they do other volunteer work. You know, there's a so there's a there's a lot going on individually. But collectively, together doing one particular thing, not as much. So that wasn't, and maybe part of that is that, and in fact, in the application process, asking what kinds of things you do do. So okay. I guess the, the, so in some ways that part is formed and it's going to be ongoing. So I think they, the, the focus is more on the charism of what you're already doing and bringing that to what you're doing. Okay, but so I the, think so, you're right. It would be nice to have more that we did together. Well, then let's, let's just get some concrete examples of now that you've been for, through the formation and you've been professed. How has this Franciscan charism informed your work? 
because I, you know, as you began by talking about this, I mean, there, there are things you have to do, like you're talking about the liturgy of the hours and things like that. So, I mean, like there is a practice that you have. Um, mm -hmm. So like, how's this all integrated? I mean, uh, I mean, I'm a teacher, you're a teacher. I understand like that's a very busy type of uh, job, right? I mean, so it's not as if somehow, it's not just your, your work's not confined to the, the classroom. I mean, it spills over into the evenings and weekends. So just explain to me how when you make these promises to do certain things, first off, maybe we need to know a little bit more about what those things specifically are. And then how does that get all inter get integrated into the day to day where you're living and breathing this Franciscan charism that you learned so much about, you know, in the context of your formation? Yeah, I think, um, well, you bring it into the classroom, you bring it, I think it is maybe to look at it more as bring the charism in your interactions with people. So, you know, sometimes we think, oh, I got to do this for this person, but always you're especially living in a city, you're mm -hmm. approached by different people all the time. Okay. How do you approach those people? So I know, for instance, when I get out of the subway and I see somebody begging, I know their name. We, I talk to them, I give them something and have okay. a conversation with them. So bringing that kind, to me, that's very Franciscan, right? Or yeah. you know, it's charitable. I mean, you, you are um, seeing everybody you see as someone, not no one or someone you ignore or someone, I don't know, I don't need to talk to them. Mm -hmm. Now, it's not as if I'm walking, but I, I always keep myself open to exchanges to people. I'm not afraid of people. I mean, you think about Francis. He was so afraid of lepers, right? We all have a leper in our life, right, that you're afraid of, mm -hmm. whether it be somebody who's smelling on homeless or mentally ill, all those things. Mm -hmm. So I think, for me, how I do it is I try to embrace it in the day-to-day -day because I see it all the time, people in need. And so somebody who needs your help is afflicted. I try to bring some, for me, it's not that I'm bringing the Franciscan charism to what my natural personality is. So I mm -hmm. sort of feel like this charism that we're talking about, mm -hmm. any kind of charism, religious charism, has to be manifested in you in who you are. And then okay. you bring that goodness that's in you already there from grace into that, you know? So for me, it really isn't on a day-to-day -day thing. Yeah. The Eucharistic sister, volunteer, if somebody needs something, you do it. You know what I mean? Like just being open. I know yeah. that sounds very facile, but it really is for me. That's how I go through it. No, I, I I love it. I love it. So 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 then in a nutshell, I mean, how how do you first off, how do you articulate the Franciscan charism? What, what does that mean to you personally? It, like, what type of person are you specifically trying to be as a secular Franciscan? I, I understand that you're trying to be a good Christian, and, I'm, and I guess everyone can kind of visualize what that might mean. But like, in a very specific way. In this, in this lane of the Franciscans, what does that mean to you? I mean, I think you gave some really poignant examples just there, but like, what does that really mean, the, the Franciscan charism to you? It means that you walk the narrow path. I mean, there's only two saints, right, that carry the stigmata, okay? Right, so we know that Francis did. How? Mm -hmm. by, by following Christ. Nobody lived, in my view, Christ as much as he did. Wow where he channeled him so yeah. much that he has his wounds, right? So yeah. for me, the um, uh, that and his embrace of any kind of suffering, regardless of what the cost, he did it for the glory of God, always the glory of God. 
Everything about his is the glory of God. So that's very difficult. That's the poverty. And that's what he was talking about, poverty of spirit, right? He put right. sand and dust and stuff in his food. And I was thinking, why is he doing that? And lately, it's been, I've been thinking about that. It's because for him, he wanted himself to be so empty so he could be full to give out, you know? Yes. And so this is, you know, it's, it's a... Uh, it's not a, 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 this is the struggle. I think we've talked about this before. It's not about us. It's about the other. It's mm -hmm. not about us. It's about God. It's about Christ. It's so antithetical to our society. And it's such mm -hmm. a struggle. But that narrow path, and there are going to be people, even within the St. Franciscans or even in the Catholic Church, be like, you're being naive. You're being this. You don't have to do that. You're being extreme. No, but that's what it calls for. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing you. I'm, 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 I'm loving it. I mean, let's... You know, I mean, we you, you give these examples about Francis with this this very austere poverty. You know, like trying to become nothing, yes, or to be everything for everyone, right? Yes, I mean, and and I mean, there's there's there's, but of course, it just begs a lot of questions. I mean, all right, so as a secular Franciscan, I mean, you don't have the opportunity to be as austere in your poverty um, or giving up, you know, everything that you own. So, so what does poverty really look like for um, a layperson who has a full-time job and is married? Like, what, what does that look like? Like, how do you, because I, I think that there's a spiritual poverty, of course, and there's also that, that spills over, if you will, into your material life. So what, how does it, how does that add up for a layperson? Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the articles of the of the rule of San mm -hmm. Secular Franciscan Order is is detachment. Mm -hmm. All your possessions are meant to be shared. Okay. So um, now, do we have a commune? No, right? Not not literally like that. But let's put it this way: mm -hmm. none of it means anything to me. I mm -hmm. give. I mean, do I have it? Yes, but then I, it doesn't. I'm not attached to it. And if I need to give something, I give it. I don't. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I'm trying to live in that regard. Yeah. And knowing and trusting that things will always work out. So I don't, so it's, it's not as if, um, it's just not the, the priority. So the, the, the all the money, so this and that. When I do, I have it and I just save it. But if I need, I you know, you give it, you give it. If somebody needs it, I had a friend, I wired money. You know, I don't, I don't think about it. I don't have that attachment to it. Sure, so sure. I, I think, I don't know if that makes any sense. I mean, I'm still struggling with poverty because I'm reading St. John the Cross right now because mm -hmm. his feast day was yesterday. And I, mm -hmm. I never read The Dark Night of the Soul. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm reading him like I'm struggling with it, not for understanding, but, you know, he says some very difficult things to about poverty, you know, and sure. our imperfections and and that that purg purgation that has to happen to be in union with God. So I think it's all steps. So I don't know. Um, I'm not completely poor, but I think the idea of poverty is that you're putting God first with all of it and other people, you know, and, it's right. and so you'll struggle with it. But um it doesn't have to be a literal giving all your money and all your possessions away. I mean, yes, St. Francis did do that. I mean, even his clothes, and he was naked, right? I mean, that's like right, the famous right, story. Right, 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 he takes right. all his clothes off because he's like, yeah. I, I don't belong to you, Dad. I belong to the Father. And he takes yeah. all his clothes off. And the bishop's like, <laughs> hey, yeah, I love that I story. He was a nut. I love it. He clearly he was, was a nut. I mean, I mean, we could use some more holy fools like him, I think, in our world. <laughs> but I also think we could do without the nudist colonies as well. But anyway, Antonia, I, I can tell that there's just been there's just so much to unpack here and go even deeper. But just on a, um, a very practical level, um, maybe you can just kind of share some of the things that you do each day as a practice. I understand that each day you have different encounters with people and, and that may vary from day to day, but is there a practice that you have in your prayer life 
or is there something that you always make sure you are consciously going to do each day? Because um, I'm always most curious about how people organize their day because uh, prayer doesn't necessarily just happen unless we're intentional with it in some type of way. So, so can, can you like, just unpack a little bit about that? Like what is, what is the day-to-day type of practice look like? Well, when I wake up, I wake up in prayer. Hmm. And I say the same, I say the same kind of two prayers a day. Sometimes okay. it varies. Okay. Lately, I'm trying to um, detach from that and just, just feel God, you know? So a silent prayer. Cool. But I used to, I will say a prayer that I had that I like very much, mm-hmm. a version of it that, that I like. And then, um, so I wait before I even rise, right? Yeah. Um, um, then you know, have coffee and then I do my morning prayer. I light a candle. I have a little mm-hmm. prayer corner. It's a, it has a lot of stuff there, maybe too much stuff. I have to sort of, I'm thinking about having to strip myself of my spiritual. I think I gave a lot of that stuff to you too. You did. <laughs> you did. I added during one of my many moves. I'm like, I, I don't need this stuff anymore. You help you take it. <laughs> well, I have a lot of stuff. So, um, yeah. I, so I do my little prayer. I have a little prayer yeah. nook next to the bed, and I do my nice. prayer there, and I do the mm-hmm. liturgy of the hours there. Mm-hmm. Um, I I also have um, consecrated myself to the the blessed sacrament of, I mean, the Our Lady of the Blessed Sacrament. So I love. I have a, a prayer that I say every morning on that, and that's a beautiful prayer. Do you want me mm-hmm. to say the prayer? Do you know it? No, I don't know it. Okay. I, at least I don't think I do. Yeah, it goes, um, my vocation is beautiful. Its duties are great and holy. I devote myself to live at the foot in adoration of Christ incarnate. Before the blessed sacrament, I will join the angels and saints in what they do and will do eternally in heaven. Blessing, uh, praising the infinite bounty of God and blessing the boundless mercy of God. With this gift of self, I devote my life to live the Eucharist fully and to make known the love of God in service to others. Hmm. So that's a very beautiful prayer. Yeah, it's one of those all-encompassing prayers, I would say. Yeah, so that's before I go to work. And I always read, read an article. Put it on my, I put on my towel cross as I read one of my articles. Then I head to, to work. And I have another little prayer that I see in my refrigerator that I like. And then I, um, as I'm walking to school, because I, I walk to school, I, I notice... A lot of times I just, it's walking prayer. I see things all the time, you know, beautiful things. Um, yeah. Now, of course, St. John the Cross said that some of that stuff could be a detraction, but I, I notice little things all the time, little leaves, stuff like that. So that gives me great strength. And then I, I, I teach and then, um, now you're not going to believe this and people may think it's extreme, but when I, I drop the kids off for lunch, I open my little locker door and I have some of my prayers there and I do a liturgy of the hours, the daytime prayer. Oh, cool. And I sit in silent contemplation there for a little bit. That's something I should do. It's really nice. <laughs> well, you know, here's the yeah. funny thing about it. So I do it every day. And yeah. I know somebody, a few people have said, your room feels so good. Oh, that's cool. And I realized, right. it's not, well, it's not me. I said, I think it's the prayer. Definitely. And, Definitely. and when I was having some difficult times, I kept thinking in the corner when it's in the students got 22 third graders. And I'm looking in the corner and I put, I see Christ. I want to see Christ there, so that it keeps me engaged in a way that always remembers how how I am interacting, yeah. no matter what. Yeah. So um, and then so that's my afternoon, and then when I come home, um, I sit in silence, I'm not saying anything, but I'm calling on God to help to fill me, and to also you know say a a, a act of contrition because there's always something that you've done that you've, you might have wished you did differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I do some work and then I, I do the evening prayer and then before, and I do night prayer too. So I do a lot of prayer. 
How long? So for me, I love prayer. To me, it's not an obligation. <laughs> no, it. no, it's beautiful. It's inspiring for me. How long? How long do you stay in silence when you come home? Approximately. Just About curious. ten minutes. Yeah, cool. Ten minutes. I don't. I used to time it twenty minutes, and now I just do based on. I, I thought, let me just keep it on time. Just whatever. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of cool because I do a meditation in the morning and I time it simply because I know I got to be at school, you know, at a certain time. So if I just can't keep it open ended. I think in the evening you have a little bit more flexibility to probably do that. So that's kind of cool. I, I like that idea. Um, I mean, ideally, it's, it'd be good to have like a sitting at the beginning of the day, at the end of the day, that's just in silence. I mean, I think that silence is always a place where you're honing the art of listening. You know, so this has been an awesome discussion. What else can you just kind of impart to us about, um, or at least to to say about joining the secular Franciscans, joining this type of loose knit community that gives you a set of um, um, ideals, a set of responsibilities, a set of uh, of ways to kind of order your life. I mean, what's the what's the the final word you can say to us about you know how this has transformed you today and also why maybe someone should maybe look into it. Yeah. Um, well, I think that it brings great consolation to you and it makes you hunger God for God even more, which is a beautiful thing. So it offers you having, being part of an order like that offers you a way to be with people who also will support you on, on that journey. Um, it also helps bring structure. If you're looking for structure, maybe someone who needs structure, that it helps with that. Mm. But because they're Franciscans, it's very open-ended. So like it's funny because you have these meetings, but things get changed. And right. so there's a there's a sweetness there. Um, and of course, you have to understand there's a, there's the local fraternities, and then there's the regional fraternities, national fraternities, and then and then international. So it's part of it. You have to remember that's been an order since the 12th to the 13th century. Amazing, so it has right? that history, which is beautiful Amazing. that you're part of. Amazing. So it's a communion. You're in communion with in prayer with all of these people. My brothers, Franciscan brothers and sisters from way back, you have that family. So it's such a beautiful sense, a spiritual communion that you feel different. It's like a marriage. It really yeah. is. Yeah. And um, and it's a and it's and it's and you, these people are in your life in a nice way, not intrusive. It's it enhances, it, it will deepen your prayer life. So if you're they're interested, they can go to a website and look for fraternities because there are regional fraternities everywhere. Mm. Um, and and just, I, go I, just Google secular Franciscans. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. I've had a website, but yeah, yeah, something. That's okay, we, we, we can include that in the yeah. show notes. As but it's, it is beautiful, so. it's a nice way to, um, and it, there's other orders too. I mean, there's Carmelites and this and that, but I think Francis is, speaks to a kind of the idea of, uh, appreciation of, of, of nature and of poverty and humility. It's just got such a beautiful, um, and you know, you know, he's, he's, I always feel like St. Francis has more of like that Eastern has an Eastern sense to him. Sure. You know, sure. Well, so. I think that we are in the age of Francis again. I mean, I think this yeah. is the reason why the Pope chose the name Francis and, uh, everything old comes around again because it's really ever new. I mean, you know, Francis's vision was not something that was just meant for, you know, the, what, the 13th century. I mean, it, it's, it's a, a, a timeless vision. So, uh, so thank you so much for, for giving us a little bit of that vision and how it's affected you and uh, kind of drawing you deeper into prayer and also just deeper into being present to the presence of Christ in each person that you meet. 
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Attentive Heart Podcast. We hope that you were able to find it helpful in your spiritual journey and practice. This podcast is produced in collaboration with Sunday to Sunday Productions and The Witness Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and share it with friends.